Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Hey everyone, welcome back to Women's Pelvis Wellness. Um, it's been a while and we are back in action and things are going to be starting to pick up here in May. Thank you all for your support, your continued support and listening to the podcast and watching it on YouTube. Um, today we have a really special guest because they're all really special and I'm just going to call her Kathy Lee because my name is Amy <laughs> Lee. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so this is Kathy and Kathy is going to share with us her product that she invented to help women um, with infertility and also with, um, you know, permanent sterilization, non-surgical. And then I can also share my story because I did have the Esher and we'll kind of get to all of that. Um, but yeah, take it away, Kathy. Okay. So I'll just start with telling you a little bit about myself. Um, I am a mom as well, and I, uh, have a degree in biochemistry and, and an MBA. And I always wanted to uh, influence healthcare and be involved in some way and found myself uh, working on medical technologies and um, worked in various different areas like cardiovascular and orthopedics. And it was very clear to me very early on, there wasn't as much going on in women's health. And so when I found myself at a juncture in my career where I really felt prepared to start my own company, I decided to jump in and start a company focused in women's health. I am the inventor of the technologies at Femesis, which is the name of the company that I started. I also named the name of the company. Um, so it's just really everything for me. Um, it's like having another child advancing this company. But um, at the time in which I started, Full support from my husband, who I've been with since I was 18 years old. And at the time, we had two little girls, seven and four. And I envisioned a day where they had options that I didn't have for myself um, and kind of what that would look like and the kind of impact that a company that's very mindful about what specifically women really need for basic health care um, and how that can impact women around the world. And that's been kind of a driving force for me um, from day one. So I started with the permanent birth control solution. Um, it's called FemBlock. And I've been working on that since day one. And it's the road's been interesting. And I'm sure Amy maybe might share her story with her with her Eshore Coil. Um, we took a very different approach and really wanted to give an alternative uh, to surgical tubal ligation or tying a woman's tube or the hysteroscopic approach of placing the coil. We wanted to be totally different than that. Uh, we wanted a place like an IUD and we wanted to leave nothing behind. And we actually initiate a wound healing response and leave a very tiny amount of scar tissue in her fallopian tubes as her long-term blockage. 
Uh, some may hear scar tissue and be concerned, but what we were trying to mimic is what we see with women that are actually infertile and walking around every day and have no idea because they're asymptomatic or have no symptoms due to blocked tubes. And that affects about 30% of women that are infertile. And they just have a little bit of blockage, but it prevents sperm from coming into contact with the egg. And that's why they're infertile. And we tried to create that exact environment where women are asymptomatic. They're not they don't even know, and they can have a long-term benefit. Uh, we also advanced <laughs> utilizing that same type of delivery technology, medical technology, and we advanced it for infertility, where we're able to place sperm uh, directly in a fallopian tube. And that product's called Femiseed. And so they share kind of a similar way in its approach. So we know that OB-GYNs or infertility specialists will be able to perform these types of therapies. And it's really important on that end of the spectrum that we bring a lower cost option for women. Um, in that category, we're just trying to advance another option because the age-old intrauterine insemination or IUI approach is known not to work very well. And all the money and all the care and everything and the focus and the stories that we hear about are IVF journeys. And we know there are majority of the women never make it to an IVF. I mean, in this country alone, there's 9 million women that are considered infertile, and there's only about 200,000 IVF cycles that are being performed. And that's not even 200,000 women. So there's millions of women that never will get, get there. And so looking at that emo emotional and financial burden, how can we bring a better solution? So those are the two ends of the spectrum. We have other number of other products that are in the works. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a snapshot of what we're yeah. doing at Femesis and kind of who I am. Yeah, I definitely want to go into more detail and learn like how these procedures are done and how they work. But and I have shared um, my story with my Esure coils on the podcast before. Um, but just to remind people and then, of course, obviously the new listeners and you, I just decided, you know, I have three kids all by C-section. I'm done. I don't want to have any more. And I also knew that I wasn't going to stay married um, and I didn't want to have an oops. <laughs> and so I um, decided to do that. That was highly recommended by my OB. I did not want to do another surgery. Um, and I had them in for about three and a half years. I was not aware of any issues that I had whatsoever. I was not aware of any issues. However, um, Good Morning America, I saw on there, I was just watching the news, and it said that the Esure coil had been pulled off the market. I took a picture of it, of the screen of my TV, um, and then I called my OB, and I said, I want them out. I don't even know why. They, I didn't see the whole story, but I want them out. I just, you know, I never really did fully like the idea of something implanted in my body forever because the body's job is to get rid of it right um and so i went in and i had them removed um but they have to remove your whole tube they can't just take the coil out because there's no guarantee they'll get it um and what i saw is i told them i want to see my fallopian tubes i want to touch them because they're mine and because i never seen them before so i wanted to check it out and I held up my tube and I saw the little coil sticking out and I literally grabbed the coil and I pulled it right out. It was not stuck in there at all. And the other tube, the other coil was actually being pushed out of the side of my tube 
and it was already halfway through after only three and a half years. So let's just say in another three and a half years, it could have been completely outside of my fallopian tube, you know, puncturing my colon. How would I know? So um, something I just want to put out there, I saw the uh, documentary, The Bleeding Edge, and that's the documentary that I was like, holy shitballs, why are they putting these in any women? Because in there, they actually have video recording of the FDA approval process. And they said, this isn't safe. We don't have enough. And even the people that said it's not safe and we don't have enough still voted to approve it. That's how little they care about you. <laughs> That's in my opinion. That's why when somebody says, well, the FDA approves it, really doesn't have a lot of, I, I mean, it doesn't have any weight with me. So thankfully, I didn't have any major issues, but I did notice once they were removed, I had my GI, like I didn't have the GI upset that I just thought was from, I don't know, it's just the way I was. Um, the brain fog was gone and I didn't realize I was really having brain fog. So that was, that's just my brief story about, you know, that. And other women have had to have hysterectomies. They've had to, you know, they've had babies born with the coils implant, you know, inside of them. Um, just so many things. So, so many things. Well, there's been deaths too. So oh, yes, absolutely. Highest, yeah. yes, yes. Tremendous, awful things. But I mean, it's again, really the it's origin of why I did Femblog. Yeah. Um, I was at the stage in my life where I would not go through surgery and take the risk of anesthesia, have incisions for ending my risk of pregnancy. I'm not one to take prescription meds. I like to approach life really on a natural front. And I would, I thought placing a coil into my tube for me. Yeah. I just would never do it. And I worked, you know, in orthopedics before where we look at knee implants and hip implants and just implants in general. Um, and women's health has had this too with mesh and other products mm -hmm. and they deteriorate. They don't work as they're intended over time and can lead to other side effects. And so for me, it was a non, it wasn't an option at all. Right. And so for Femblock, that's been our push. We want it to be as natural as possible. We want to leave nothing behind. Um, and that's, that was really difficult to develop, as you can imagine. And yeah. it took a long time for us to get there. But women that are coming in are looking for a solution like this. They're not sick. These are otherwise healthy women looking for a basic health care need. Uh, and that's why there's a lot of women that fall into this category. So safety, safety, safety is the first must be the driving factor, I think, in the development of products specifically for for something like this. And that certainly has been the case uh, for us at Femesis and for Femblock, but that's why the products developed the way it is. And it was challenging for me, you know, was when in the beginning when I was trying to secure funding for the company, I was the only one doing advancing a solution that looked like this, that wasn't through a hysteroscope, putting a permanent implant in the tube. And those companies were getting funded. Right those companies fit in the box and we were doing something so different and people were like, well, why aren't you doing it this way? And now we're the only company um, that's still developing and fighting this good fight to bring an option for women. All of those other companies are gone. Yeah. So share with me how Femblock actually works. What is the procedure? Sure. 
So there are two components. We have a delivery mechanism and we have what's called a biopolymer. We have developed both of these components. We also manufacture it in our facility in Georgia. So we keep control of the whole process. Again, safety above all else. Make sure you have good controls. Make sure you have good quality product. And so the way that the delivery mechanism works, it's placed like an IUD. And IUDs have been around since the 70s. It's a method that GYNs are taught in medical school to place. And so we wanted to leverage that known skill set. So it's placed through the vagina into the uterine cavity, just like an IUD. Um, And then we have two balloons at the end of our catheters, and they're placed at the opening of the tube. So we don't actually thread into the tube, which is important. And that's why we don't need a hysteroscope, which is what Eshore used, because it had to be placed directly in that tube. Um, So that's the delivery mechanism. And it is in the patient just for a few minutes in length, because it's there to place that biopolymer, and then it's removed. The biopolymer is a tissue adhesive based product. Um, So it is delivered like a liquid. And when it arrives to the, to the opening of the tube and into the tube, it turns into a solid. And then the delivery mechanism is removed over the course of approximately three months. And the body helps us with this because the majority of the biopolymer is in contact with the lining of the uterus. And that's what sheds every month when we menstruate. So the majority of the material will leave with the body per its natural menstrual cycle. And the small little amount that's left in the tube, the tube is the size of spaghetti. So it's one to two millimeters in diameter. We're talking a very small amount. Um, That small amount stays in there about three months and it initiates that wound healing response where where we leave behind and the biopolymer leaves is just a small amount of scar tissue. Again, akin to what women who are infertile that might be infertile due to a sexually transmitted disease like syphilis or gonorrhea or pelvic inflammatory disease has a small level of scar tissue. And that's enough to block the tube where the egg and the sperm cannot connect. But majority of the time, she doesn't even know it. I mean, it's an unknown, unless you're looking to see if she has a blocked tube, she wouldn't know. So that is what we are achieving. Um, And of course, we have our clinical work that we're doing and our trek through FDA. And my timing could not have been worse when I filed for my approval to get the trial started is when Eshore's problems were becoming evident. So it was in 2015. And then the product was removed from the market in 18, as you you mentioned. Two and a half years after every other country in the world pulled it. Just so you know, (laughs) just so everybody knows. And it was on the market since 2002. So 2002, it came on the market in the US. I started Femesis in 2004. So it was immediately on the backside going, not good. Not going to be an option long-term. I thought we would help replace it. I didn't think it would implode on its own, to be honest. Um, But it's always been the goal to bring a safer option to women, safer than surgery, safer than hysteroscopy, and do this in a way that can be done in an office. So we don't have any anesthesia. There's no incisions. The patient walks out the door immediately and can resume normal activity. So no long recovery time. Nobody has to drive her. Nobody has to bring her. Nobody has to make meals for her for seven days if she has a tubal ligation. Um, There's none of that that we're seeing. um, And that was the intent of the of the product. And so imagine what we can do overseas you know, where women at risk are having surgical procedures and, you know, tents and huts. So um, this really can change the profile of women having better care, not right. just here, but everywhere. And there should be a simpler option 
that is non-hormonal, that isn't going to completely alter our bodies. Cause that's what hormones do, you know, artificial hormones. And, um, I mean, that's, yeah, I think that that's incredible. And I can already hear people asking about my work and if my work would interfere with what you're trying to do as far as, cause I work very viscerally. So I would like to dispel the myth that human hands can break up scar tissue. Okay. Human hands is we're not strong enough to break up scar tissue. Um, so if you come to me and do some, do work for, let's say you have a prolapse or you're having some incontinence issues, or, you know, maybe you did have to have a surgery or something. Um, my human hands are not going to be able to break up the scar tissue from this in your tube, thereby opening it back up. So that's now, what, we're that's talking what, like millimeter, right. you yeah. know, we're talking size of spaghetti. So that's very different than scarring, you know, endometriosis sure. or scarring yep. around a uterus, uh, things of that nature. Um, we don't need to block a lot, right? right? We just need a small section and that's enough to, to block those two things from occurring. And the egg will just dissolve. Um, we don't create life because they never come in contact with each other. Um, we're just preventing that occurrence completely. Um, and we're doing it where we don't have to have women go to surgery. There's no laparoscope. There's no incisions. There's no burning and cauterizing clips, rings, you know, implants that are left behind. I mean, women are getting more and more IUDs. And so maybe I'll comment on that a little bit. That was always meant to be reversible in between baby one or baby two, you know, where you're not relying on something daily or having, you know, uh, don't want to have to forget and have your babies too close in age. It, it's really been taken a step further because there's a void in the market of an acceptable method. So there's women getting multiple IUDs now. And your comment on hormones is valid. I mean, women over the age of 35, and we know this, the literature says this, ha they have a higher risk of blood clots if they remain on hormones and a higher risk of breast cancer. So we know this today, but women really don't have good choices. So having a hormonal IUD, which is the market share leader over and over and over again to bridge to menopause is happening. Um, so really the goal is get women off their hormones, particularly when they hit the age of 35 and let's bring forward a natural approach. Don't have drug interactions. Don't have an implant left behind. That's not supposed to be there where your body knows to cramp it on out. Um, you know, it serves its role in the reproductive life a woman has, but when you're done, be done and try to do it in the safest fashion. So, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're working on. The, the bar at FDA, FDA is meant to evaluate and try to ensure that products are brought to market that are safe. But I would say it's also a manufacturer's responsibility, more so than anything else. Look, I believe when Femlock reaches the market, it's going to be around for a very long time. That's just what happens in women's health. I mean, uh, tying someone's tube has been around over 100 years. Yeah. That's just, that's just the way it is. No one's working behind me. Um, so, you know, it takes a very long time. It's taken me 18 years to get to here and I'm still not done. Uh, so this is, this is difficult to come through. Uh, but that's, that lends itself to the responsibility that we have as a company as I feel every single day is develop this product to, to be as safe as possible for women. Um, and I bear that responsibility. My team bears that responsibility every day. Um, and as a woman, I feel like it hits me even closer to home because I know what these things feel like. 
when they go wrong um, on, on, on any end of the spectrum. So it, I think it's important when when you look at who's leading you know, um, women's health initiatives, that they have that level of commitment, um, that's a bare bones minimum. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, women's health care is still by and large, um, you know, controlled by men. And even the women coming out are in a, are taught in a structure that was created by men. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's this, women have, you know, we need to, this is a time where we need to step up and really start taking control and backing other women who are doing these things, because I don't have the brain to design what you have designed, but I have a platform to get it out there and I can, you know, put people in that direction. So really supporting women who are doing things to support women, um, is really, really important right now. Um, and so, so something like what, what would be the cost to the person or do, do we even know that yet? Sure. Oh, okay, um, what is that? So we anticipate the Affordable Care Act is not going to go anywhere. So when FemBlock comes to market, it should be at no cost to the patient. Zero. Um, there's nothing in its category. And we um, expect that we're going to be substantially less as far as how does it impact healthcare and the payers and doctors, it's going to be less than half the cost of surgery. Oh yeah. So there's no capital equipment. Everything they need comes in a kit um, and then it's disposed and it's done in an office. So, and there's no incisions, there's no anesthesia. So there's no additional potential issues, infection, safety risks that we're seeing. Um, and we anticipate our safety profile will continue, uh, but it's certainly very promising what we, and it's all on our website. Um, we're a public company, went public last year. So that's a unique thing too. I mean, there's been very few female founders that have taken their company public. Yeah. Um, there's just a small handful of us, but so all of this information that I'm describing can be, you know, looked at and dug into further, but, um, what is your website? Yeah, just, um, so there's femesis.com. So femesis name is on the background there. Um, femblock's the name of the, the product. There's a femblock website. We have an infertility product called femacy. There's a femacy website. Uh, we're also the developers of femview. Uh, femview is a marketed product. So what we did here, so this is a common theme of what we're doing. We are the inventors of a product that allowed for physicians to evaluate a woman's fallopian tubes in the office with ultrasound. It was never done before um, we developed our product. Um, so this replaces a referral to a radiology center and undergoing ionizing radiation and the use of x-ray dye to look at her tubes. So up until FemView, the physician could look at all potential factors using ultrasound. And they just fell short with the tubes and they would have to send her to radiology. And we wanted to change that. I mean, this is, it's better medicine. It's safer, natural saline air con contrast using existing ultrasound. She stays with her OB-GYN or her infertility specialist and she can have a complete exam. And so FemView allows for that tubal evaluation. And we have women benefiting from that every day. We don't have a sales force. We're a small company. We're working on this big product, FemBlock, and we're trying to stay focused to push that uh, forward. And Femiseed Secondary, which is our infertility product that we haven't really talked that much about yet, but FemView is being word of mouth 
we're selling a lot of FEMBUs and, and we hope to, to really bring that to market in a more substantive way because it helps women. Women are doing their own YouTube videos. We're taking women testimonials now. So there's a platform for FEMBU and we're hoping to amass even more of a following. But it's important that that exam not happen in radiology and that we do that exam with our OB-GYN in the office using existing ultrasound and take a look at all factors before treatment planning happens. And um, we need at least an open tube to have infertility, uh, to, to be able to take that next step in the infertility uh, treatment modalities. So that's that's a product that we have on the market, um, one that we're supporting every day, but that's, that's another way to go look for us. But to finish out the FEMBLOCK cost, half the cost of a surgery, so huge cost savings to the overall healthcare system, and we anticipate physicians will be reimbursed well for this to do this in their office. And so they will be reimbursed properly. The healthcare system will see less than half the cost and the patient will have no cost. So everybody wins. Right. Yeah. So then share with us, because you had talked about the, um, the fem seed. So talk to me about that. So it is placed very similar to FemBlock. So that is kind of the way we, we are able to deliver things to the fallopian tubes without threading into them. And so we use that similar balloon technology. And in that case, in, in the Femiseed's case, we have one balloon. In FemBlock's case, we do two. So we're doing two tubes at the same time. Uh, and the reason we did that for Femiseed is natural ovulation. She ovulates on one side or the other every month. And under ultrasound, that's very easy to detect. They can see that it's called a follicle. They can see it mature and they can see which side it's on. And then it's travel. And then sperm, the way that standard intrauterine insemination works is they place a catheter, uh, look more like a straw into the uterine cavity. And then sperm is just delivered undirected into the cavity. Now the sperm then has to travel to the right tube either right or left, where the, fo the follicle is, and it needs to make it through that tiny little opening. So the majority of the time, it doesn't work. I mean, there's single-digit success rates for IUI. So we look to change that with Femiseed. Place very similar to FemBlock, so it's in an office, no anesthesia. The catheter is placed. We put our balloon at the tube of interest, and then we deliver the sperm directly to the fallopian tube. The fallopian tube is a reservoir. It can live there 72 hours. And then it can go ahead and move forward in the tube to fertilize. And so we're cutting the journey substantially and we're ensuring that it enters into the tube of interest. And so where we really see huge utility for this, um, overall, we see it having utility, but we do see a rise in male infertility factors, less less swimming, less swimmers, they're swimming slower. Um, they're more deformed. So, you know, what would it look like if we're able to get the less volume and less swimmers to the right location? And, um, in those situations, IUI has like a one to 2%, two and a half percent success rate. So we really do think since we're seeing that beyond the rise, that this will have that utility, but, you know, if we're able to improve pregnancy rates, and bring women off the sidelines when you have 9 million women struggling with this and that are never going to make it to IVF, the vast majority, how do we fix it? Right. And I think we can all agree during COVID that we've seen, you know, issues with people returning to the workforce. What does that look like for restaurants and just 
bank teller, like anything that, that we have, and we have enough people to work. You know, what does the day look like maybe a decade from now, if the projections are correct, when there is less 18-year-olds than 60-year-olds in this country's history for the very first time? Right. Do we, you know, we're going to see this happen in Japan. It's already happening. We're going to see it happen in Germany. Even China has lifted to a third child policy now because they see infertility, right? China has a lot of males, uh, not enough women. So it's there's there's lots of country specific issues, but we have a declining fertility rate. We have women that are not able to get pregnant for lots of variety of reasons, and they're never going to get to where we have focused and have spent the money to advance medicine for IVF. They're never going to get there because it's too emotionally, financially burdensome. What do we do on the front end to fix this problem? And if we wait too long, it's not you know, 10 years from now, we all say, whoa, there's not enough people to work. By the time you make an 18 year old, you have 18 years to go. If you're trying to fix that problem, then we need to work on that problem today. And so that is our goal of our Femicide product. It is in clinical trials right now. We're in clinical trials for both of our products. And so people can follow our clinical work and as we release clinical data, but that is the goal to, to work, to bring forward FemView so they can get a proper diagnosis, see that she has at least one open tube and then offer her a therapeutic option where she can at least attempt uh, to get pregnant. And we can kind of change the tides that we're seeing in this country as far as, uh, you know, these dropping fertility rates. So that is the goal. And then ultimately um, we bring FemBlock along you know, I think one of the issues we hear in infertility is women want maybe one child. They don't want four at a time, right? So you, you see a lot of drug use. You see a lot of issues around multiple births. Those are high-risk pregnancies. And right, so right. can we do better for women um, on the front end? And there is more discussion. People are speaking about their journeys now in ways they never did before. So, right. you know, we're also the only company doing this. We are the only ones um, working on the front end and uh, FDA has classified it as a de novo. And what that means is there's nothing else like it, like yeah. Femicide. So it follows its own pathway and it'll get its own coding and all of that. Uh, but a lot of infertility isn't covered. you know. So we're very conscientious. And as a company, one thing that we really, and I pride myself on this, is we wanted to make sure we can bring this as low cost as possible. And the right. only way you can do that is perfect your manufacturing. And we have been working on manufacturing for over a decade at Femesis. So a lot of small companies, they're virtual. They outsource their manufacturing because it's so expensive to do what we've done. And it takes a lot of thoughtfulness to work on this over the course of so many years and perfect it. And we've done that because we want to make sure lowest cost possible, safest product, high quality. And when we get there, we can provide to the market because the worst thing that can happen is that we get there and we can't stay afloat because we can't make it in a way that pays our bills. And then, you know, we don't bring forward this technology. We've been so persistent in trying to advance and we fall flat on our faces at the end. So we're trying to ensure that that doesn't happen. All of this comes at, you know, cost. So it's, you know, the company's public now. And we did that very purposefully. Um, it was a hard thing to do to bring a company public in this market environment, but we wanted to make sure we have access to people to tell our story, to amass better access to capital and be able to support ourselves as we continue to work on these very important products. 
Right. Definitely. Yeah. I so much agree because again, every, everything for women is so much more expensive. You know, everything is invasive. I mean, it's really easy to take care of a guy because all this stuff's hanging on the outside. You know, it's easily, it's, it's easily, easy to get to, um, you know, if there's a problem, easier diagnosed. And so, I mean, these are just things, again, like you say, basic healthcare needs. We, I mean, access to, to be able to choose, you know, when to have our children, how many children that we want to have, all of those things, um, or if we never want to have any at all, those things should be easily accessed. There should not even be a question. There should not be a debate anymore. Yeah. Um, I do just want to say for those of you who are only listening to this audio, um, Femesis is spelled F-E-M-A-S-Y-S. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that that was said before I forgot that so that people can look at. So it's Femesis.com. Yep. And then all of your things are right underneath there. Yep. That's amazing. Um, so moving forward, what does that kind of look for you guys? I mean, what are your, um, I guess, next big goals? Um, you know, we're going to keep going with our clinical work and again, safety above all else. So we have, um, have a safety data set for FemBlock that it's so important with basic healthcare needs, but it became ever more important with what happened with Eshore. So that body of work is important. We're following those patients for five years is a very compelling safety profile. Most of our events that were reported were reported on the day of the procedure and nothing ongoing. So it's anytime you cross the cervix, there's some bleeding, spotting, some cramping. And those are the kinds of events that we saw. Um, We don't leave anything behind. So you would expect that that's what we're going to see, but we're proving it. And we're going to continue to release that data. And then when we embark on our big trial, which will happen next year, if all goes as planned, um, and then that will be visible and we'll continue to talk about it. And I'll welcome the opportunity to talk to you again as we get closer. Um, And I think, you know, the, the, OB-GYN community at large is hoping that they can bring an option to their patients. They want to give their patients safe options. They can only give patients what's available. And so it's really important that that a company like ours makes it to to provide something that's safe um, to women, because like I said, there's no one else working in this area right at the moment. And so we'll continue that work. What will come first is the infertility product because that product does not require long-term follow-up. We attempt to get her pregnant. We either get her pregnant or we don't um, because the sperm, you know, we don't provide the sperm um, and we just were the delivery modality. And so we will be able to wrap that up first. And so we'll be able to come to market and that will have a whole level of effort around it. How do we bring more focus to infertility on the front end? Right where we don't have to extract eggs, where we don't have to have multiple inject, like we don't have to do that end of it because women don't get there anyway. So how do we engage that front end? How do we provide alternatives? It's not going to work for everyone. We're never going to say that it is, but if we even have a 1% improvement, it's going to help women. And so we need a lot of focus there and the company will be able to have those discussions sooner. And that is as soon as the end of this year, beginning of next year. And that'll couple with our FemView product that's already on the market. We've been on the market for a while with that product. It's safe. It works. It's moving women back to their GYN for that essential test. And then we'll add a therapeutic option. We have a couple other products we're working on. Um, We have a cervical sampler for, for detection of cervical cancer. 
Um, we've, we're going to replace a product called the Kevorkian. Can't even make these things up. Um, and that product um, is shown on our website and it is an advancement. There's no one else working in this area again. And really a tissue sample is essential if a woman has a risk factor for cervical cancer. Uh, colposcopy is what they're leaning towards now, which is just trying to look, picture a pipe and using a magnifying glass to try to see down the pipe. So a tissue sample in conjunction with that's really important. You know, how do we get that tissue sample to be completed? How do we do it in a way that's virtually pain-free and comprehensive and has minimal contamination? And so that product's already FDA cleared. And so we're ramping up manufacturing to bring that to the market. It's called FemServe. And so, uh, you know, that's just kind of our mantra in every category. How do we replace be an option to something that's been around for many decades with no new innovation that has significant limitations. Right. How do we change that? And so that's another product that we'll be able to bring to the market before the larger market opportunities come to the horizon. This is not, even though it's not large as far as numbers and revenue, it's still important. Right. You know, it's still for women that, you know, might be struggling with this issue. It's important to them. So it's important to us. And so we're going to, continue to push these types of products out in advance of the others, but sure that's to come. Well, yeah. And I did want to say too, them. So Kathy said that they follow their patients for five years. I just want to let everybody know that Esher was approved after only following those women for 18 months. And in, in the trial, they did say, we have not followed them long enough. We need to follow them another year. So even the doctors who were doing the research said this isn't enough. It was still approved. And even though they said themselves it wasn't enough, they still voted to do it. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the FDA process, again, of getting approved, um, you know, it's, it's wild. It's kind of all over the place. So the fact that you're following the women for five years instead of just a year and a half, um, huge. The other piece I want to say, too, is that, Best case scenario, okay, best case scenario, um, and that's if everything is lined up and everything is perfect, IVF only has an 18% success success rate, which is not a success rate, people. It's a failure rate. So these things are so important to look at other alternatives, like the products that Femesis, you know, is pushing out, like the therapies that I do. We need physical work in this area. We can't ignore our pelvises anymore. It's literally where our very power is held. So thank you for, um, you know, coming on the show today and chatting about it and giving women um, another option. It's so important. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate your interest in us as well. Any last words or do you want to give a shout out or anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, I guess my shout out would be to all the women that, watch this podcast, you know, we're working hard for every woman out there uh, and moving the needle. And we appreciate the attention, the support we're starting to amass as people learn who we are. Um, it's, it's important work that we're doing and we don't take it lightly. And we, as a company, me specifically, uh, nothing's going to leave this house till it's as safe as we can make it. And we're dedicating a lot of time to do it that way. And nothing is perfect. 
nothing's perfect in medicine. It's important to remember that. Um, but we are going to do the best that we can to make sure that we bring the safest options forward. And so, you know, keep eyes on us, you know, keep your fingers crossed for us because we're working hard for women around the world. Um, and it's a, it's a hard job to, to have right at the moment. So. So you said that your, your company is based in Georgia. It is. Is every, is everything made in Georgia? It is. So we have a full, we have multiple clean rooms. Um, We make all of our products, including that biopolymer that I described is manufactured in-house ephemesis. And that was a very deliberate decision early on to kind of control the process. When you're a small company, nobody cares. And, you know, it's hard to get anybody's attention and you're, you know, put on the 10th level team. And we wanted to make sure everything met the standards we felt was important to be met um, as we bring it forward in a clinical environment to commercial. Um, that's just as important for those heroes that come into clinical trial work. Um, it's not okay that you cut corners there. And so we wanted to make sure that we did all of that. And then, you know, we learn as we continue to manufacture, we continue to do it better every right. day. You know, when you start right at the gate, right when you're ready to launch, you haven't had that benefit of making mistakes and fixing them and all those kinds of things, you then have the pressure of demand and that just makes things a lot worse. So we wanted to make sure that doesn't happen here, given how important the work is that we're doing, but yes, we're in Georgia and, um, and everything is manufactured here. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kathy, for being on the podcast today. Um, if you want to learn about Kathy and about all the products that the company is putting out again, it's femesis.com. F-E-M-A-S-Y-S. And you can also look in the show notes for any of that as well. So thanks again, Kathy, for doing the work that you do. Thanks so much, Amy, for having me. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.